Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dork down for a Hi, Jackie Cation here. You're listening to The Dork Forest. You know the websites, dorkforest.com, thedorkforest.com. If you like a determiner, jackiecation.com has everything. Both of my podcasts, all of the stand-up stuff, the new album, links to YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all the things. But so I think does dorkforest.com, where you can look at old videos of different shows. Anyway, if you want to support the show, tell people about the show, review it on iTunes, thumbs it up on Pandora or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. I appreciate that. You can donate. You can donate monthly. PayPal lets you do that. You can also do my Venmo if you like. It's at Jackie Cation absolutely everywhere. And my email address is Jackie at JackieCation.com. And that's what the PayPal is. The PayPal link is on JackieCation.com and DorkForest.com. And go to any of them. Thanks for listening. There's merch. There's stand-up. There's tour guide. You know, you can find out where I'm touring. This is getting long. So let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to the Dork Forest, Phil Cation. Welcome back. Back again. <laughs> third, time, third time is a charm. Third time's a charm. What? Uh... Pardon me? Do you mind if I smoke? Oh, no, I don't mind if you smoke. Um, I want your Internet to be <laughs> to be good. But I, I actually kind of think the smoking is hilarious on this Zoom call. Well, in in keeping with uh, previous uh our forest appearances, I have two jetpacks that that uh, support our internet here. Yeah, one, one named Frodo. <laughs> but right now I'm on Elrond. Oh, there you go. That's right. uh, oh. So we have, a, as they said in Star Wars, we have a fully functional Death Star. Okay. What I have is a a lighting problem that I'm just gonna completely bail on. Does so, this interview get posted in video and yes, uh, yes, oh, Frodo oh, Elrond. Uh, you and I don't know, I'd have gotten a haircut. Yeah, no, I think even better, even better with the beard and the and the pipe. It's going to be quite <laughs> a bucolic moment. So, I did one other episode about fly fishing, and you were disappointed that it wasn't you. And I was like, we can, I can talk more about fly fishing. I don't know anything about it. Well, I thought it was good. You know, I have a, I, I mean, I, I, I don't remember it exactly. And I certainly don't want to criticize one of your other guests. Please don't. But, uh, you know, I have a lot of history with it and have, have kind of appreciated some of the nuances of the history and of the culture that kind of revolves around it. It's interesting that this, uh, you know, my last time I was on the Dork Forest, you know, I was Mr. Bohemian hitchhiking. Right, uh, it was the hitchhiking app. That's right. It was the hitchhiking one where, where I was, uh, uh, say, off the grid. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to talk about uh, a pastime of mine, a passion, actually, which is specifically anti-bohemian i mean it's it's historically a very elitist way to fish 
Is it now? Why is that? Because it's because I suppose like the most non-elitist way would be to throw a piece of dynamite into a lake, and then sort of cull all the fish that f- floated to the surface. Right, but short of that, uh, a bobber with a worm. With, yeah, there's a sort of hierarchical uh, view of fishing by certain fly fishing people, of which I am not one because I don't care if somebody wants to fish with a bobber or live bait or spinning rods. I think one of the the biggest reason fly fishing historically has been elitist is the history, which it it started out in in the 17, even earlier, but in the 1700s in England. And it was definitely a sport of the upper class when they weren't out fox hunting. Right. Many of them were, were fly, you know, fly fishing started in England and started as an elite upper class royalty type based pastime. And was it started as something where you're like, I'm going to tie something that looks like a fly instead of using an actual fly? Right. The whole motion behind fly fishing is that you're trying to imitate a natural bait. Okay. So... so it is a cold call. Essentially, it is just sort of a it's a it's a that is that's fascinating. So it was a it was sort of a gentleman sort of wealthier because you uh, needed the free. T- yeah. Right. You needed the free time. You also needed access to the water, which, oh. in, England, which in England and to this day, England, you know, there are private trout streams in England that are, uh, a lot of them are in England, they're referred to as, as the chalk streams and they're paid to fish and they're- Oh, really? Uh, yes. And I've, I, have, I have no interest in it, but I certainly have friends who've gone over to England to fish the story, the river test, and there's a few other ones. In addition to that, there's salmon fishing, which is uh, fly fishing for salmon started in Scotland and Ireland and England. And uh, there's actually a fascinating book called The Feather Thief. Yeah. About somebody who burglarized a historical museum in England and stole the only existing uh, taxidermy birds of extinct birds to sell the feathers on the secondary market into the fly tying world of salmon flies. And it's, a, it's that, a, I have not read the book. I, I, I that does night, sound fascinating. Last night in preparation of this <laughs> um, discussion that we're having, I actually listened to uh, a book review of it, but it's, it, it was a bestseller and a lot of people read it. A lot of when, people. When did it, uh, did it, did in this book review, did they tell you when the, the, thief what when the thievery happened it was in the last 10 years oh really wait a minute so this is current yes there's there's still an underground world of people who want to tie especially salmon flies with extinct bird feathers wow what a pile of assholes uh Um, it's it's and these these taxidermy birds were stolen from that they were the only existing copies of those extinct animals. Of these extinct animals, and the fact that somebody would steal them, and the fact that 
people in Norway would buy these feathers in order to use to tie salmon flies. It's pretty funny. But that's that's the I think the, <laughs> funny, the, horrifying. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, it is horrifying. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. No, no. I would, that's... Turn, I would turn those feathers down. Uh, the so when I talk about elitist the elitism yeah. of fly fishing, it, You're it not kidding. came from it came from England and the history of fly fishing <coughs> in the United States was predominantly the upper classes in, in New York, Pennsylvania, in, in the original thir- uh, northern 13 colonies. Wow. And the whole idea of fly fishing is, is you're attempting to imitate, and originally it was attempting to imitate an aquatic insect. And in certain circles, it was attempting to imitate a floating insect. So you wouldn't lower yourself to fish with, because as I'm sure you know, a mayfly has multiple cycles within their life. You would think I'd know that. Sure. <laughs> you know, you have your pre-emergent insect, which is mm-hmm. called a nymph. Okay. The majority of their life, and in fact, for trout, probably 80% of their diet is pre-emergent insects or crustaceans or bait fish or something like that. So you have a pre-emergent mayfly, which is a nymph, and then you have what's called an emerger, which is where the nymph sheds their shell back and they start swimming toward the top of the water in order to become what is then called a dry fly. And then, you know, when you hear people talk about matching the hatch, when it comes to trout fishing, that's what they're talking about. And there's some, and there are hundreds of different kinds of mayflies, caddisflies, dragonflies, damselflies. Okay. And there are flies that are are tied to represent those specific insects. Okay. And you could have a mayfly hatch where the trout are going crazy. You're seeing trout rising everywhere, eating these bugs both as they're emerging, swimming up to the top of the water, mm-hmm. as, as they're sitting on, on the water, drying their wings, and then they ah. fly away. And if it's a betis or blueing olive mayfly, which has a greenish body, is a little smaller. And if you threw a caddisfly in the middle of that, you could drift it by a fish until you're blue in the face. Or sometimes... If the body of the mayfly is green and you're throwing one out that's the same looking fly, maybe a little smaller, a little bigger, maybe yellow, they won't eat it. It's not, wow. but it's a very, a trout, especially, and that's the, gen, that's the origin of fly fishing is primarily trout and salmon. I have so many questions. First of all, and, uh, Trout are are clearly not colorblind. No, no. They their eyesight must be incredible up there because some of these flies are tiny, right? The really? the, the nymphy the nymphy ones. Really? Um, uh, like metrically tiny, like like. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. And then the, my real question is: is 
are trout and salmon, are they indigenous to, where are they indigenous to? Well, <laughs> that is a fascinating question. Yes. Well, let me look at that flight in your hand first. Okay. What are you showing so, me? This is what for many would be a fairly large dry fly. Okay. Which is there. just that, wow. All right. And that's probably three times as big as some flies. Okay. You get, might get a little spinner here. Okay. Is part of the life cycle of a mayfly, which I want to finish. Because <laughs> when the, the dry fly or the dun is sitting on top of the water drying, that's when the trout eat them off the top of the water. And then they fly away and they mate. They oh. reproduce. And if they are clever enough to get away from the trout and the birds, because mm -hmm. the birds are keyed in to bug hatches as well. So you'll see, you know, birds just swooping over over a, a hatch of mayflies eating eating the bugs. So but they all don't die as it is in nature. They go right. away, reproduce, and then unlike us, when they're done reproducing, they die. Okay. And they, and they fall on the water, and that's referred to as the spinner. So you have the emerging nymph. First the trout eat nymphs. Okay. Nymphs live a long time, a year, two years. Oh, and wow. then and then they emerge and they have a shell casing and that opens up and the wings come out and then that's an emerging fly and then they sit on top of the water and that's a dry fly and then they fly away and they fuck and then <laughs> they die. And then that's they die. That's how good it is for a mayfly. <laughs> that's how they, good it and is. And they die. And then <laughs> they fall on the water, and then the fish also eat eat the spinners. Okay. And, and the spinners are just like sort of the carcasses of the spent fly that is that is and, has had coitus. Yeah, and instead of having upright wings, mm -hmm. the spinners will have what are called spent wings, mm -hmm. which they're they're straight across versus up upright. Okay. And the entire time you're fishing the, the hatch, it's important to recognize what, what stage the trout are keyed into. Oh, that's, that and, makes, and you, can you tell when you get to the stream where they're, where you, the bugs are at? You can always speculate. <laughs> and yes. I'm, on occasion, I'm right. Okay. Uh, I'm more right now than I was uh, in 1980. Oh, I wrote this down in 1988 when I started fly fishing. Okay. Uh, I'm. I've been doing this a long time. I I wouldn't say I'm a a pro by any means, but I'm I'm pretty good at it. And you can tell sometimes by the splash. Sometimes if it's an emerger. You'll see mm -hmm. a fish will be swimming up to eat that bug as it's emerging. And it'll, okay. it'll break the water. So you, the way you watch, sometimes you can tell by how the fish move toward the, toward the insect. Okay. Right. And if they're, if they're dry flies sitting on top of the water, a lot of times fish are just sipping them. Okay. 
And then with Spinner Falls, it's the same way. And Spinner Falls, more often than not, although there are exceptions, more often than not occur in the evening. Oh, okay. And so that's, in my opinion, it's dry fly fishing for trout is what I enjoy the most because you get to see the fish eat it. It's a bit of a puzzle. You need to figure out what the bug is. You need to figure out what what size it is, what color it is. And you yeah. need to then also present that fly in a natural, I mean, because there's already lots of bugs on the water that don't have hooks on. Right, right, right. <laughs> so and, why would the fish get involved with your hook? And generally that's speaking, uh, that's what they prefer to eat. <laughs> Uh, yes. There's no nourishment that comes from chicken feathers, which is what a lot of the flies are tied. Do fish have a sense of smell? Do you know? I don't, I don't know. Oh, fair enough. I, mean, can, I know that like for bass fishing or for like catfish, you always hear people use like stink baits, you know. Oh, okay. Chicken necks and, you know, for catfish, it's a different thing. For so bass, they might, yeah. I think for bass, people put stuff on like bass lures to make them smell a certain way. Uh, so there must be something am, happening, but that's weird. I am uh, amused at, at what fish know and what fish don't. Sometimes right. they're the smartest critters in the world, and other times they're so damn stupid, it's unbelievable. <laughs> and I, I'm counting on those notes. You right. Know, I'm looking for <laughs> stupid. I'm okay with stupid. So, so what ended up happening with fly fishing is it comes over to the U.S. The John Adams of the world, the the right, the founding fathers, founding, per se, and and a, a few mothers, but for the most part, it's 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 a guy thing early on. You know, you don't. Although I'm sure I say that because, uh. There were probably lots of women fly fishing, and it just it there's just no record. The yeah, didn't get the pub as as yes. often occurs. Right, right. As often occurs, the publicity is left by the wayside. But, uh, but all the all the writing is about, and this is in the 1700s. This is 17, 1800s. There's a lot of writing, and that's that's one of the other. Not to digress into a whole other line of. That's one of the other things that I really appreciate about fly fishing is there is a substantial um, category of books about fly fishing. And, and and there has been for 150, like they've been writing about it for hundreds of years. Isaac Walton uh, wrote one of the first books in England about fly fishing. Uh, there's people in New York and Pennsylvania, there's, and it, it, it continues until today. There are some, I mean, incredible writers who, who write about fly fishing. And it, it, has a, as, it has a very ethereal, elitist sort of, you know, you can use any kind of zen. You know, yeah. it, it's a much more poetic way to fish. It's not the most efficient way to fish. I mean, it no. can be in those... Like for trout, for instance, in that that moment where there's a hatch going on, you know, you need a bug to catch those fish. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, a lot of other times, you're probably better off fishing with a worm. 
Okay. Or crayfish or, or, or some actual marshmallow. food. Yeah. Marshmallow. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a bait that some spin fishermen use. They use marshmallows, lucky charms, marshmallows are supposed to be a, a great, oh. bait. Uh, you know, I would tie a fly to look like a lucky charms. Uh, sure. Aesthetically pleasing. Mm -hmm. But the, and in the older days, in the old times, <laughs> the technology around, I mean, the, the key thing to recognize about fly fishing as opposed to spin fishing or bait fishing is mm -hmm. you're casting a, a, a rod or, or a pole. So you can call it a pole when you're not fly fishing. If you're fly oh. fishing, it, it's a rod. But Fair if you're enough. casting a fishing pole and you have to throw it across in a pond or a river or something, what's, mm -hmm. what's giving the momentum to the line is the weight from the bait or a sinker or the bobber. And that's what propels it across the water. And then it sits on the water, floats in the water. Sure. And you're casting... A, fl a fly, obviously, this fly weighs nothing. Yeah. I mean, I could actually weigh it for you. I have a scale here somewhere. But <laughs> I'm actually in my... In my uh, You're my, in your fly tying room, right? It's my office uh, yep. where I'm still pretending to work, but I also uh, uh, tie flies here, smoke yep. my pipe. I have an exhaust fan. My wife, by the way, uh, I'm, new, I'm congratulations married. yes married uh my wife lets me smoke in this room sure uh, it's got a window I, it's got a fan i have i have a, well right now it's two below zero the window's closed <laughs> but uh sure yeah i could go trout fishing now the season's open well the season is open right now yeah there's a catch and release season in the winter now that's another question I have. So, did was it always catch and release with these gentlemen fishermen back in the day, or do they keep them? No, no. And, and in fact, the private streams in England, mm -hmm. they still had to keep the fish. And oh, which which brings back one of your other questions, which is frankly a fascinating question, almost as fascinating as the life cycle of a mayfly. <laughs> let's hear it whether or not these fish are indigenous right and in, and we're still talking about trout i yeah. think as we wrap things up toward the end of this conversation i'll talk about what's become more um, i still like the trout fish but there's other species i enjoy fly fishing for but the native trout i don't I think in England, there was native rainbow trout that were migratory fish from the ocean that would go into the rivers. Obviously, okay. salmon are migratory, although there are some landlocked salmon. But okay. the, most of the trout that are fished for in Europe are, are brown trout. Okay. And, and they used to, even people here in the U.S. used to refer to them as... Uh, German brown trout. German brown. Yeah, they're German brown trout. Right. What the Germans have to do with it? That's where those, it... I believe that's where those trout came from. Oh, that and they were originally sort of uh, uh, from the Germanic sort of geography. From, from okay. Exactly. And the British, for whatever reason, 
when the sun was not setting on their empire, they were stocking brown trout like all get out. They were taking them all over the world. You can go to you can go to Argentina, you can go to Chile, you can go to Patagonia, uh, Patagonia, uh, that, that you can go to Australia, Indonesia, yeah. New Zealand, okay. uh, Tasmania, all throughout In- the world. India? Did they bring brown trout to know. India to your knowledge? Because the British were all over India. Right, their sun hadn't set. Uh, when we're done, I intend to Google that. <laughs> right, right, right. But uh, so the the ger- the brown trout that I fish for across the road from my house because I live on a trout stream. Right. Uh, tell the masses of the Dorkdom. It's the Rush River. Go fish somewhere else. <laughs> Have you? Did you ever try the brown acid? Uh, I digress. Uh, yeah, I did. Try. <laughs> I did try the brown acid. But so the rainbow trout might have been indigenous to the British Isles, right? Because they may have they may have had migrant. I'm not certain they were. Okay. Because I think the rainbow, those are referred to as steelhead, are indigenous to the Pacific Northwest. Oh. And Alaska. And Wait, so a rainbow well, trout and a steelhead trout are the same, essentially? They are referred to as the same thing. Essentially. Okay, fair enough. The brown trout was brought over to America. Prior to the brown trout, the indigenous trout in the eastern United States was the brook trout. Okay. And, and in the western United States, for the most part, the indigenous fish was the and how how was the, how, cut, was the cutthroat trout? Oh, the cutthroat trout. And and did it was it called that because it had some sort of gill at its neck? Yeah, it did. It had a little. It has like a red scar on on or red what, flash. What would be its neck? And uh and the and the, and the the brook trout was that just because it was found in brooks? Uh, <laughs> all there in lakes as well. Uh, okay. For, for, and and if I were a true trout snob, yeah, I would I would have all the Latin names for you. Well, here's including, my including the bugs. By the way, they all have Latin. I have friends who know the Latin names. Oh uh, well, good for them. Here's my question: Have you ever tried different kinds? Like, do they taste different? Oh yes, brook trout are delicious. Brook trout, brook trout are your favorite of the trout. Brook trout are are really good that the meat tends to be, especially, this is another nuance within the trout. Please. There's there's stocked fish and there's, so what's happened is you have the German brown trout or brown trout has in many cases supplanted the native brook trout. Fair enough. Uh, Primarily they're able to sustain themselves in slightly warmer water and slightly more polluted water. Okay. I mean, by, by trout stand, you know, by river standards, I mean, the river by my house, which has both brook trout and brown trout, compared okay. to the creek we grew up on, Yep. Uh, uh, the river we're on is, you know, I mean, it's still really clean, but brown trout tend to be able to handle slightly warmer water and they also are much more aggressive and will take over a brook trout stream. Okay. So what's occurred, what's occurred in the United States is 
streams that were stocked with brown trout tend to overpower the brook trout and the cutthroat trout. And there are some places, like for instance, in Yellowstone National Park, there's an entire section in the in the northeast uh, part of the park called the Lamar Valley, right, where it's mandatory that you kill any rainbow or any brown trout because they're considered invasive. Okay, so if you catch one of those two trout, you have to keep them. You have to kill them. Right. But if you catch a brook trout, you get to choose. No, a brook trout too. Oh. The only native trout in the western United States until you get to the west coast is the cutthroat. Is that and cutthroat? Lots of different subspecies of cutthroat. But uh, can you so tell the he, difference between how's your how's your nuance between different? Can you tell the difference between these fish? I I can tell it between a rainbow, a brook trout, and a cutthroat and a brown trout. Easy. I might not know the difference between a Snake River uh, cutthroat and a a different. I mean, but I, no, I can tell the difference. Okay, uh, it's pretty obvious. Okay, once so, yeah, once you've looked at a lot of fish, I suppose. Right. Yeah. So, like for instance, the river I live on has not been stocked in about fifteen years, oh. primarily because the quality, the water quality has improved because of the DNR uh, and property and, and water management where the, where I think I'll have a drink as well, where, where the, where the, where the fish reproduce naturally. Okay. So they don't stock so it's, it. It's sort of healthier. So they haven't had to stock it. It's incredibly healthy. Uh, the river I live on yeah. has 7,000 fish per stream mile. That Which feels crowded. That feels super crowded. I uh, know. No? Solid. It's okay. Really it's a very it, How now here's here's something I don't know anything about is the side the size of the difference between creeks and streams and rivers. Is it the size of them? I think it's whatever vernacular people use when they name them. Because we you grew know, up by the like creek. Yeah. What is is that a stream? Is oh. that would you call that a stream? I I would or a creek. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like you know what's the difference difference between a boat and a ship? Well, you can put oh. a boat on a ship. That I think is the is the definition. Boat. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's a little more. It's a little more. I mean, there's creeks around where I live, and there's streams. The Rush River is a river. The Kinney Connect River. There's Pine Creek. There's so the is is the Oak Creek. Creek. Don't you dare look for it. Uh, people. <laughs> people are looking as we speak. But here's so, my thing, Phil. Is here's my current question. Uh, uh, let's talk briefly about the Oak Creek Creek where we grew up. Have you ever fished it since you were a kid? I know you did when you were a well, kid. I didn't fish when I was a kid. Because that so you, would involve you know you know somebody actually buying us equipment to fish with, right, right. Uh, but you crawdaded, right? You you I, we we fished for crate. We hunted crayfish with liver on a string, and we used seine nets. Mm -hmm. The Oak Creek, uh, below the dam by the skating, what used to be the skating pond, mm -hmm. does get a migratory 
uh, run of salmon and rainbow trout. Oh, really? Uh, yes. I wow. wouldn't go out of my way to fish it. I wouldn't fish it. I, I'd give up. It's a ditch. That's right, right. A ditch. But even what, even now, like the Milwaukee River gets a, a, a run of migratory rainbow trout or steelhead and salmon. Okay. Uh, uh, the root river outside of Racine or goes to Racine that that gets and those are all because of stocking programs those okay. fish are almost all there's no natural reproduction occurring in Oak Creek okay Water yeah yeah could never sustain natural reproduction I am curious if I were to ask dad about it like if he ever fished it when he was a kid because I know that he's fished some rivers in or a, a lake in Muskego and well, but he, lake trout are different right a lake trout actually not a trout it's a char okay as opposed to a trout species and the lake the lake trout is an indigenous species to north america it's indigenous to the great lakes okay uh for instance in the great lakes now you can catch brown trout you can catch I bet. Rainbow trout, mm -hmm. you can catch salmon, you can catch fish called a splake, which is a mix between a lake trout and uh, some other kind of trout. I'm sure uh, it was consensual. Yes. Uh, no, it was forced to find by. <laughs> oh, I'm by, sure. By fisheries <laughs> biologists. Uh, oh, God. But those are all uh, non indigenous some would say invasive. However, the beauty of those fish is there's a reason why there are not thousands and millions of alewives washing up on the beach. Yeah. Milwaukee, because the DNR planted the Great Lakes with predator fish, the lake trout, which is indigenous, but the, the salmon and the steelhead eat alewives. Oh, God. And so that's, that's, why, that's why the alewives and the smelt or smelt as you know, aren't as prevalent in the Great Lakes anymore because of these. Yeah, the alewives were gross. Yeah. Oh, they were they, well, they, it's, a not, it's not indigenous as well because the alewives came up through the St. Lawrence Seaway and died on the beaches. Oh, is that what that oh. was? Okay. So the, the introduction of all these non-native species has created opportunities for fisher people mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right it's also endangered indigenous fish which is sad sure uh typically the introduced species tend to be bigger yeah the fisher person i kind of look at fishing like i look at money more is better and bigger is better <laughs> <You know? laughs> right so but do they but well, do fish get tough like, you know, if you ever go to a Whole Foods and you get yourself uh, a, a step five yeah. chicken, you're just using that for stock. Because uh, well, it's an old chicken. There are a lot of people who, who, who claim bigger fish don't taste as good. Oh, really? I don't, yeah, I don't necessarily buy that. But there's okay. a lot of people who think that. So the, the whole... You know, fisheries, the, there's politics around indigenous fish, native fish, what's a native, you know, you know, we have brown trout that reproduce across the road from me. Right. So 
technically that's that's a native fish. It is now. They're not, but they're not indigenous. And right. Frankly, even the brook trout that we have here, some of them aren't indigenous, uh, and it it can be. It can be a rabbit hole, and, and I'm actually on a couple of Facebook pages where we actually discuss this. Oh, really? I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, yeah a, a Wisconsin fly fishing page. So okay. what, what came out of the 1800s was, like I was saying originally, the, the, the way you cast a bobber or a lure when you're spin fishing with a fishing pole is the weight of the lure or the bobber or the bait is what propels the uh, bait across the water. Right. With fly fishing, you're casting the line. And oh, it's so the that, weight of, it's the weight of the line. It's the weight of the line. And that's why when you see pictures of people fly fishing, they're going back and forth and back and forth because the line is what propels, what's attached to the line is a leader, which is monofilament, and it's tapered. So that the section closest to the fly line is heavier and thicker, and then it tapers down to a fine point so that you can actually put one of these on your, I mean, I've caught five pound fish on hooks this small, but, wow. but you need a tapered leader and you need it tapered in order so that when you're casting, your fly presents itself in a natural way. And okay. Historically, what happened before the 1950s, fly rods were primarily made out of bamboo. And fly line was made out of um, silk. Okay. And the, leader, and the leaders were made out of catgut. Okay. Which, you know, if you lived in Charming. your neighborhood, you'd have <laughs> lots of access. We have a lot but, of feral cats. It's true. Yes, we do. So the, the, when the technology changed in the 50s to where now fly line is made, you know, 3M used to make fly line. You know, fly okay. line plastic, basically. Right. It's, it's tapered. It's manufactured. There's... Uh, there's dozens of different types of fly lines and leaders are monofilament and they're plastic. Okay. So what it did is it introduced, you know, cause prior to that, it was a very elite, very time expensive, expensive. You, you would fish with silk line. You'd have to dry it before you'd reel it up. You'd oh, wow. Cat, you'd have cat cut leaders, which were much more fragile Flies tended to be a lot bigger, and the and the invention of plastics for, or synthetics for fly line and leaders mm-hmm. revolutionized not only how accessible fly fishing became, but also it it had all kinds of impacts on the technology as well. You could have smaller hooks, you could have yeah. flies, and it it and it became cheaper too. I bet it became cheaper. It's still was historically has been considered an elite i mean i don't believe in a hierarchy for fishing i think if you want to go fish with a a a hook and a worm knock yourself out i mean i don't do it but i i I don't want right but i would never 
I would never judge one of my neighbors because I have lots of neighbors here who fish. Mm-hmm. And if they want to fish with bait or with lures, I don't care what they do. But Are they catching trout, though? Oh, yeah. With bait and lures? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because Sometimes bigger. Oh, sometimes more often, or bigger? Or... Oftentimes bigger trout. Okay. I mean, I catch, when I go out to catch really big trout, I actually go out at night, like from 11 at, in the summer, from mm-hmm. 11 at night to like 3 or 4 in the morning. And I, I tie flies that look like mice. And they're oh, big. They're big. They're big. And you fish in the complete dark because brown trout, perhaps you didn't know this. <laughs> the big ones are very nocturnal. They tend to eat at night because they're savvy. Okay. So they're more likely to to feed at night and they're eating, you know, baby ducks and mice and Wow. So you go out at midnight in the dark, it's a little more challenging to fish in the dark, primarily because you can't see. Right. Can you, do do you, is it, do you do it by moonlight? I have done it by moonlight. Frankly, it's better when there's no moon. So literally you're standing in water in the dark. Mm-hmm. You want to do it with me this summer? Not let me no, know. no, can't imagine. It sounds like a great way uh, for mosquitoes to also feed. Um, uh, that's why I smoke a pipe. That's one of the many reasons. Can, cigar, do you, uh, do you hmm? smoke while you fish? When I think about quitting smoking a pipe, which I think about more often than most people probably think, right? It occurs to me, what would I do when I'm fishing? Because it's such a part of the ritual for me, but yes, I do smoke live fish, and it does, and it and it helps keep the bugs away. Oh yeah, yeah. okay, and and uh, so the mousing, or you fish with there's after this, this makes me think that the fish can't smell because <laughs> the your pipe tobacco smells like pipe tobacco. Yeah, but fish are in the water. I'm not right. blowing. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not blowing smoke up their asses. You know, <laughs> it's not going into the water; it's going into the air. Right now, let me ask. So, when you're fishing in the dark, and you're, it's like this thing where it's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth a couple of times, right? And then you release it. Is mm-hmm. that how you cast? Mm-hmm. You just, it's sort of a wind up kind of situation. How well, do you, you load the line? I mean, you, you throw the fly line behind your head. Okay. The fly line becomes parallel. Then you throw it forward. Okay. If you ever watch the movie, the river runs through it. Not as much you, as you, but yes. That's a beautiful film. It's a beautiful uh, film. It's less, in my opinion, less about fly fishing than family. Right. No, no. It is definitely not necessarily enough fly fishing. It has a plot. Well, not that fly fishing doesn't, but well, and that's that book, The River Runs Through It by Norman McLean, mm-hmm. is an is a stunning piece of literature. And in fact, I just read a book by Norman McLean's son called 
Home Waters, I'd recommend it to everyone. It's about <laughs> his family, and it's it's a memoir because uh, it's the move the the movie and the book is is based on a true story of Paul McLean being murdered and Paul McLean being this you know that that's who, who uh, Brad Pitt played. And oh, okay, uh, so it's a beautiful it's it's it, it's part of the legacy of just wonderfully written beautiful short stories novels essays about fly fishing and there was a definite cutoff point in the evolution of fly fishing i got into it in 1988 right. um, i think the river runs through it came out and you know i did i did uh, uh i feel it was the early 90s 1992 i do have notes yeah <laughs> I Good mean, for you. No. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very interesting because, pro and there are the people who got into fly fishing mm -hmm. before the movie. Ah. Got into it after the movie. Right, after right. The <clears throat> interest in fly fishing after the movie, it just exploded. And it resulted in very crowded rivers, a lot more fly shops opening. Uh, I mean, there's an entire industry around fly fishing, extremely robust. Uh, I've, I've tried with some uh, success to do some business with those companies, but uh, oh. there's, there's guiding, there's lodges, there's, there's equipment. Yep. There, and it tends to attract a pretty, I mean, I have, there are, it's very easy to spend a thousand dollars on a fly rod. On just the fly rod? Yes. It, it, it's also, you can get a very serviceable fly rod for 150 bucks. Okay. And I then think, how much? Which yes. I think is a good deal. A lot yeah. of people are thinking, wow, you're going to pay 150 bucks for a fishing pole? But, right, right. Well, how much is a normal? I mean, I would imagine a fishing pole would could cost $100, right? Yeah. Yeah, but you can get... You know, you know, everything's relative to, you know, what you have, you know, what you, you know, what you're supposed to link. I mean, though, as much fun as fly fishing is, accessorizing mm -hmm. around fly fishing is also a blast. <clears throat> and then there's the whole other world of fly tying, which we probably don't have a lot of time to talk about. But, you know, mm -hmm. I have... A passion. We have about 15 minutes. And, right, uh, right. Yeah. I have a passion for fly tying. Prior to us getting on the phone, I was setting up a bunch of flies and went to tie later. Well, here's my, here's my next question is, so with a fly rod, it's, it doesn't, does it not have a, um, a round thing, a reel? Yes. It does have one? Yes. And the reel basically holds the fly line. It's not. It does it hold the leader too? It can if you reel it all the way up. Okay. So it's a reel. I mean, it's a, it's a circular device that has a crank, and you crank it, and it brings in the line. Yeah. Uh, there's the leader, the fly line, and then what's called the backing, which just basically brings out the fly line on the reel. There's, you know, if you ever get into your backing on a yeah. trout, that's, that's pretty sexy. Uh, <laughs> is it well because that, that what, does that mean sense. that's 
how long are you fighting a fish? Like, how long uh, do you end up sort of playing out the line and 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 you know where the fish runs away, but it's got a hook I, in it. I like to use fairly uh, strong leaders and land them or lose them. Get them into the net. I like to keep trout. A lot of people don't. Okay. Uh, there's, there's other kinds of fish that I fish for, uh, like saltwater fish, like tarpon, bonefish, uh, barracuda. I mean, I, I caught an enormous... Uh, uh, what's called a calico bass uh, off uh, uh, what's the island uh, off you've LA? Done, you oh Catalina. Catalina. Yeah, you've done some destination fishing too, right? Right. That's a whole other part of the industry, and and yeah, like for and instance, guides. Right, oh yeah, yeah. And for instance, right now I'm tying flies specifically. Here's the hook. Can't. There's no feathers or anything on it yet because I'm I pre-tie like a dozen with barbell weights on them because these imitate bait fish. Okay. And then I come back and it's it's a production thing. But these I'm tying specifically for Belize. Oh, because you're going to going, you're gonna go to Belize. Belize? We're going to Belize in March, and uh I think well, I know case coming. <laughs> uh <for> <laughs> Her daughter's coming. Uh, I think Tom Kubasek and his wife are coming. And right. uh, I'm going to hire a guy and go fish by myself for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we're going to be fishing for bonefish and uh, tarpon. So uh, those fish, I mean, I, I've caught a tarpon on a, a fly rod that took an hour and a half to reel them in. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's, it sucks. That sounds it's, exhausting. It is exhausting. The hookup is cool. I mean, when you set the hook, but yeah, mostly what what I've got, what I've sort of evolved, or in you know, I, I tend to fish for trout a lot in the spring, early mm-hmm. summer, and then I fish for musky and bass and northern pike uh, later in the summer, and then I'm fishing with flies that are. Uh, this big. Oh my gosh, that's huge. And that looks uh, like a like a cork on the end of it. It is like a cork on the end of it. It's a floater. Uh, but you can even get into fishing with flies, flies that are this big. What are I, that looks bigger than any fish that you would catch. Uh, what do they what do they bite? What part do they bite? Well, there's a hook at the end. Where's the hook? There. So you're hoping for them to swallow that entire thing, which looks to be about six or seven inches long? Yeah, my preference is that they just get it in the lip because this is a musky fly. Yeah. And musky have big teeth. And so... Can you ever reuse a fly? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. This fly probably took me two hours time. And okay. it's probably got about $4 worth of materials. So I'd like to get more than one use out. <laughs> right, right. It's uh, that would um, be ideal. But I end up with uh, flat flies. Like yeah. This many. 
Yeah, that's a bunch of flies. Yeah, well, these are all pike and musky flies. It's primarily what I tie. I tend okay. not. I tend not to tie. Well, I'm not tend. I don't tie trout flies. I just buy them. Oh, you just buy them. And how much is a trout fly? I mean, this this sounds very expensive. I don't know if your three children bucks. are three bucks each. Well, yeah, two fifty, three dollars. I got a friend who uh, ties trout flies, and I usually I'll place an order with him. Okay. For maybe six to eight dozen in the spring. Uh, okay. No, it, it it can be expensive and it cannot be expensive. And the culture around fly fishing and the snobbery around it, I, I mean, there's there's a definite class distinction. There's it's a lot of bullshit. You know, it's it's, right. it's you, you know and I've been to places in Montana and uh, Idaho and Wyoming and Colorado and uh, and then saltwater fishing where it's very elitist and very, very expensive. You know, uh, I was talking to a guy once who in Montana who uh, would go to a, a lodge with three of his golfing buddies. Mm-hmm. They'd hire two guys. He told me the lodge had an excellent wine list. The guides are probably 500 a day. They hired two guides. They fish for, so that's a thousand a day. And they're probably for the, for the four of them, they're probably spending for a four day fishing trip, 10 to $12,000. Wow. And at the time I had a Tacoma pickup truck with a bunk built in the back. Yeah. I, I, I took them outside the restaurant that we were eating. And I said, you see this? No wine list, a bunk, mm-hmm. I'd be in a bottle. Uh, I didn't need to know that, but world. you know what? I think the Rangers did. So the world could be as expensive or as as wealthy as as you as you can stand it, I suppose. Though it does take a certain amount of initial cash. I mean, you're very you're you're lucky because you're quite good at print sales, and you have been for thirty odd years, but. Uh, so, well, and I, mean, I have I have friends who who are certainly you know not wealthy who buy one or two fly rods and and fly fish and and that's their disposable income. It's like right. I mean you know it's, it's some people save up for snowmobiles and some people right. travel and other people save up for fly rods right. and, and 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 a very and an occasional trip to florida or montana but you drove like for the last 10 years every time i talk to you you're like yeah i, mean, I might think, drive out to montana see if anybody wants to buy some printing out there and then i'll get to fish for a week and it's, a half or la yeah yeah i mean i've done really well business-wise kind of kind of combining the two hobbies or i don't really look at fly fishing for me as a hobby but what do you look at as a person it's just it's part of it, it right? Is, it is an ethereal thing I do. Okay. Yeah. It's and with and there's that whole there's that whole world of fly fishing where people want to turn it into this Zen spiritual blah 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 blah. But you know what? It's pretty damn cool when you're right? wading, when you're wading in a river, mm-hmm. the water's moving, and I'm in a river in Montana. And the water's going to go into the Missouri 
and the Missouri is eventually going to go into the Mississippi, which is the same freaking river that the river outside of my house goes into. Mm-hmm. And you're standing in the moving water and you see this magical thing happen sometimes with trout where suddenly these bugs start popping up, the fish start eating them, the birds start flying. It's, it's, it's a phenomenal experience. It goes right. beyond. But it's also just fishing. And so. Right, right, right. It's also. And I've met lots of people, you know, lots of people where it's just fishing and some people where somehow, you know, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not Buddha, you know, on the trout stream, but there are times where it's, it's a very ethereal thing. I love to show it to people. I'm very good at it mm-hmm. and teaching people how to do it. Uh, it sounds like it's uh, both like for trout. you. Yeah. It sounds like it's both something that is, is, a, is good fun and also kind of a spiritual, you know, commune with nature and, and, a, and an internal journey. And it's also, you know, it's aerobic. You know, you're not sitting in a boat. You know, you might have to walk two or three miles along the river. You're hiking. Right. You're you're crawling up river banks. You're you're sure. You know, it's a much more engaged. I mean, especially when you're standing in the water, as opposed to being in a boat. You know, you're much right. Deeper. Right, you're in it. But I still, you know, I'm in in, in two weeks. I'm. Uh, uh, I'm going up to Bayfield, Wisconsin to go ice fishing on Lake Superior. Right. It's uh, not a fly rod. But we'll be no, that's, that just it, seems like a great place to hide in a hut and watch some football. That's what that feels like. <laughs> well, not for, uh, not for $600 for two days. I want to be out on the lake. I want to see the water. I mean, it's incredible. I love doing it. Okay, I had a I have a buddy who grew up doing it, and he um, he used to do a joke about how anything you have to drill through two two feet of ice to do is out of season. But um, but that doesn't mean that you can't love it, you know. It's I, a few years ago I looked into getting into ice fishing, mm-hmm. and I decided it was a whole nother line of fishing accessorizing. <laughs> I, I could not I couldn't justify it. Well, you know, by the time you get done buying a, a portable ice shack, an auger, a heater, a fish mm-hmm. locator, rods, blah, 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 you spend three or four thousand bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what I do is once a year, I either go to the boundary waters and do a trip or go up to Lake Superior and hire mm-hmm. a guy. Okay. They have all the hard work, and, and they've got it all. Something's dinging. Uh, I think it's a sign that we're very close to the end. Is are there what would be your favorite books that you would recommend if people wanted to read about fly fishing, or they just wanted to experience it through fiction? Any of that? I would I would recommend uh, the river runs through it. Uh, I would recommend Book. another author named John Garrick. How do you spell that? Uh, G a r r i c k. G i e r a c h. Oh, okay. And I would recommend either Trout Bum or mm-hmm. Sex, Death, and Fly Fishing. Okay. They're essays. He is, he kind of came out of the, 
he's from Colorado. He's an old hippie. He got into fly fishing. It's kind of the other side of fly fishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's lots of technical books you can buy on fly fishing, but John Garrick is probably the best person in the last 40 years to write. Or the other, the other and- author who I really like is, 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 uh, is um, Jim Harrison. Are those who, essays as well? or? Well, he's a novelist, and many okay. of his books include fly fishing. There's Trout Fishing in America by Richard Bardigan, sure. uh, which was a classic hippie. He took the brown acid, trust me. <laughs> uh, but I think if you just want kind of a snapshot of kind of what I enjoy about fly fishing, that John Garrick is is really good, especially his earlier books. And then The River Runs Through It is just the families. You know, the fly fishing is a metaphor for art. Mm-hmm. Paul is doomed and, and <laughs> really at the same time. Sure. And, uh, and that movie a, is gorgeous. That movie is a, a beautiful did, film. Did right by it. Yeah. So, uh, um, so that's my that's that. That is that, that is your current dorkdom. <laughs> Thank you so much, Phil Cation, for being on the Dork Forest yet again. I'll see you in a day. I'll see you tomorrow. And Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. (laughs) My hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?